0: Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: Folks, we're going on an earthwalk. We've been kind of progressing along through the Gospel of Luke, looking at the life of Jesus Christ. And so now we're up to chapter 10, and we're, we're seeing a, a lot of different things happening here. We're, number one, we're seeing that, number one, Jesus is very popular by this time because he's a great teacher, but more so because he's a great healer. And with that popularity, he's popular among average folks, which the Bible has a group of people, they're called that refer to these folks who who like Jesus as sinners, because they're folks who aren't accepted by the religious establishment of that day. And so we see that he's got some people who are contentious against him. we got some folks who are following him because of who he is and what he can do. But we also see that he has some disciples who really believe he's the Messiah. Now, they don't understand completely what that means, but they really believe that he is the Messiah, And so now Jesus, especially in the last chapter, chapter 9, he tells them, guys, I have to go to Jerusalem and I am going to die. They are going to reject me. They're going to crucify me. So he's letting them know that. And the disciples, they're not cluing in. They're not getting a grasp of what's going on. And so we've seen, especially in chapter 9, that people have different levels of commitment to them. So now when we get to chapter 10, Jesus is going to communicate to them What their task is, specifically in the sending out of the 70 or 72, depending on what your translation says. And so what we're going to see here is really the harvest. What's the issue that's out there right now? And then what is the nature of what we can expect as we do what Jesus is calling us to do? So I want you to notice with me verses 1 through 12 of chapter 10, and then we'll look at what's going on here. And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag "...knapsack nor sandals, and greet no one along the way. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wage. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter... And they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. Heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day In that day, for Sodom, than for that city. Folks, again, we're going to look here. We're going to see in verse 1 to 2, we're going to see the harvest, the issue of what is at hand for you and I, and then we're going to talk about the nature of the work that Jesus calls us to. So I want you to set up what's going on here. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and what he's doing is he's got a group of disciples, at least 70, and he decides to send them out two at a time to go before him in all the cities, and as he's getting ready to send them out, he makes an observation about their situation, which, folks, is very true even today in our situation. He refers to it as the harvest. So he's trying to draw an analogy to that what they can understand, which is an agrarian culture, an agricultural-based community, the harvest and what it means. And so I want you to notice with me what he says in verse 2. He says this, the harvest is truly plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So here's what's going on. Notice, first of all, the first thing he wants to do is, is Jesus points out the opportunity. Jesus points out the opportunity. He's looking at his situation, and he's likening it to a harvest. Now, when it's harvest time, you know, folks, that it's time to what? Pick the fruit of your crops. And so what he's saying is, guys, I'm getting ready to send you out. Here's what I want you to be aware of. Here's what I want you to see. And what I want you to see is is that the time is ripe. The opportunity is there. The harvest is ready. People are ready to hear. And so the opportunity is there. Folks, it's true today. People are ready to hear. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Let me explain to you what they're not ready to hear. They're not ready, and polls show this. Statistics show this all the time. They're not ready to hear about a religious system and an old way of doing things. You understand what I'm saying? Come to church, give, make sure you're there. When you're not there, still make sure your money comes. They're not interested in that. Hypocrisy, dressing the right way, looking the right way, doing all the right stuff, acting the right way. People aren't aren't into that. Have you noticed that? In fact, I'll be honest with you, look at the landscape today. A lot of churches are dying. In fact, I noticed, I was reading a statistic, that a third of the churches in North America right now are on the decline and they expect them to be closed in ten years. Do you realize that? A third of the churches in the United States closed in ten years. Why? Is it because people aren't interested anymore? And that's what you hear, quote, people aren't interested anymore. But my folks, listen to me. People are interested. People want to know about Jesus. They're just not interested in what? The religious trappings of the time. That's what was going on in Jesus' day. The people who were drawn to him were the people that the religious establishment was rejecting. So when he makes a statement like the fields are white into harvest, the harvest is truly plentiful, the opportunity is there, he's not looking at the same folks that church people are looking at. He's looking at everybody else who wants something from God, who want God, but they just don't, aren't accepted by what the religious establishments are of the day. In fact, let me give you another illustration, a parallel passage. Go all the way to John chapter 4. You don't need to turn there. Remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well? At the end of that story, the people come. She goes to the city and says, could this be the Christ? When Jesus is still at the well with his disciples, the Samaritans are coming from town up to Jesus And Jesus looks out over them and says the very same thing. What? The harvest is truly plentiful. What's he talking about? There they are. Now let me just stop for a moment. I've got to remind you of something. For those Jewish disciples, those Samaritans are persona non grata. They're the rejects. We don't want to have anything to do with them. But here's what Jesus says. The harvest is truly plentiful. There are people who want to know about Jesus. They just don't want the religious trappings that we're so used to. They want Jesus. This is what he's saying here. Jesus points out the opportunity. Now, here's what else he does. Look with me at that verse, verse 2. But the laborers are few. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus points out the need. Now, what's the need here? Oftentimes when we talk about need, we talk about the need of The community for Jesus in the community. We talk about the need that others have in the community for Jesus. Remember what what I'm talking about? We often talk about the need in terms of that. That is not what's going on here in this passage. Because Jesus has already talked about the opportunity, and now he's talking about what the need is, and a need has nothing to do with the opportunity, except in this one area. The need is for people to go out and do the harvesting. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? The need isn't the people needing Jesus. That's the opportunity. The need is for the people who know Jesus to get up and go do the work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Folks, listen to me. You say, well, you mean i got to do something? That's what he's saying here. The harvest, the opportunity is around you. People are looking for Jesus around you. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Just because they don't want to go to church doesn't mean they don't want Jesus. Can I say that again? Just because they don't want to go to church doesn't mean that they don't want Jesus. Sometimes we've equated the two, and the problem is is our churches are what scare people off. Our churches are what give Jesus a bad rap. And so you're working with people, and, and, and there is an interest in Jesus, and the opportunity is there, but here's the problem. Nobody's there to share with them who the real Jesus is. And so Jesus is saying, pray for laborers. Pray for people who are willing to what? Take the opportunity. Because here's the thing. Let me just stop for a moment. For you gardeners here. Hold on a second. For you gardeners. Listen. How long does the harvest last, folks? Is there a point where, yeah, they're ripe for picking now, but if you don't get to it, what happens? They rot off. The opportunity is gone. See, this is the sense of urgency that Jesus is giving here. The opportunity is now. The fields are ripe. They're ready for harvest. But what? People got to get with it. And what people are we talking about? The people who know Jesus. Listen to me. You know, for too long, and maybe even I had this attitude, for too long, our attitude was, well, if they want to know about Jesus, they can just come through the door. They can find out. Let them come. Well, how many are coming? You know, here's the thing. A lot of you know that for the last seven years, I've been the treasurer of the ministerium here in our in our community. And, and I'll talk to people and I'll say to them, one of the questions I have to ask is, is, where do you go to church? And I'll say, where do you go to church? And I've heard this over and over. And finally, one time I had to ask. I'd hear them say, well, we, we'd like to go to church, but we can't afford that. What does that mean? I can't afford that. So finally, one time I asked, I said, excuse me, you know, I'm a pastor, but I really don't understand what you're saying. Could you explain that to me? What do you mean you can't afford to go to church? Because I thought maybe they were talking about the offering. Here's what they said, folks. We'd like to go to church, but we can't afford the clothes. But here's what I did. When I hung up with them, here's what I thought. You know what? Church now, to people, is a place where you dress up to go. And so most people don't go. It's not a place where you find Jesus, but it's a place where you've got to dress up to go. You think we got something wrong? And so we're expecting them to come, but they're not coming because they've got this misconception of who we are. And a lot of times, folks, their misconceptions are actually a reality, are they not? And where the reality is, is if they're going to be reached, we can't wait for them to come. We've got to what? Go out and get them. And I'm not talking about taking your Bible to work, and as soon as somebody says something remotely spiritual, you're like, whap, beat them over the head, let me tell you about my church. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about you living out your life before them. We are talking about you answering questions as they come up. And we are talking about, you know what, you can come to my church. I'll be there with you. And don't worry about the way you look. You'll probably dress better than the other people there reality is the need. And the need is not them. It's you and I to what? Get up out of the seat and go do what Jesus is calling us to do. And that's what he's saying here. Now here's the other thing he tells them to do. He not only just presents what the need is, he tells them he calls them to pray for workers. So it's twofold. I go do something, but here's the other one. i got to pray for others to get involved with me. I've got to pray for others to do the same thing. Think about that. The point is that you've got to do it, and here's what you also got to do. Lord, I pray for others that, they, they, that they're able to talk with people. Lord, I pray for them that they're able to communicate with others. Lord, that people will listen to what they're saying about you. This is the harvest. This is what the harvest is. Now, the interesting thing is, so there he is. Jesus is presenting the need, the opportunity to need. He's telling them to pray. And then immediately he tells them, okay, this is what the work's going to be like. And so that's what we're going to look at the rest of our time here. Notice with me the nature of the work, verses 3 through 12. The first thing we see in verse 3, notice what he says. Go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. What? We better read that again. Look at what it says. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Here's what Jesus is saying. The very first thing he's going to point out about the nature of the work that he's telling us to do. He's saying this. They will serve in a difficult situation. See, sometimes here's the thing. We get this illusion that by serving Jesus, everything's going to be okay. You know what I'm talking about? Because we've been lied to. You just come to Jesus, you get saved Everything's going to be okay. But then if you notice, when you try to talk about Jesus to some of your friends or your family, things aren't okay? And that's just typical. Sometimes when you get saved, everybody says, oh, everything's going to be great. And then when you meet people, especially family, they're like, what got into you? And then you find out that people aren't excited about you knowing Jesus. And it's like, what's up with that? Well, let me just tell you. Jesus tells you right off the bat, from the very beginning, very first thing he tells you about the nature of the work, he says, I'm sending you out as a lamb among wolves. Now, have you ever watched any of those nature shows? Now, in the nature shows, it's all about nature, so they don't put a lamb out there. But have you ever seen what a wolf does to a rabbit? Or something else that he catches? It ain't pretty. And this is what he's trying to tell you. He's saying, I'm sending you out into a situation that isn't pretty. That's difficult. That's going to be harsh. So you need to know that right up front. This is what Jesus is saying. He goes on then, look with me. We get to verse 4. And he tells them some things that they need to be aware of. Number two, they should not focus on their needs. He says to them, look what he says. Carry neither money bag knapsack nor sandals. That's really talking there about their basic needs. They need money to go buy stuff so they can eat. They need a knapsack so they can carry their stuff. And they need sandals so that what? When they're walking along those roads and that gravel out there, their feet aren't getting torn up. But he's saying, look, don't even concern yourself with that. What he's talking about there is just their basic needs. He's saying to them, as you go about doing what I'm asking you to do, don't even focus on your needs. Because it will trip you up. Think about it. I mean, as I read that, I thought, man, man, that is <laughs> That's so true. A lot of times I want to do what you ask me to do, Jesus, but I'm looking back at it and saying, well, man, how am I going to be able to do that? I can't do that. I, I need, I need this over here. And he's saying, look, you just do what I'm telling you to do. Don't even bother worrying about what your needs are. You just do what I'm telling you to do. Here's the other thing he tells them, same verse, look what he says. It's almost kind of rude what he's saying to them, and greet no one along the road. Here's what I'm, what's he saying? Don't even say hi to people? No, you have to understand, I'll explain the culture in a minute. They are to focus on the task. They are to focus on the task. Now, we don't have this problem in our cultures, but if you go in a lot of third world countries today, it's very true even today, like I've seen it in Haiti, I've seen it in Africa, And here's what's going on in their culture. Let's go back to the culture of Jesus' day. If I sent you out on a task, because they're relational in their communities, if I sent you out on a task and I'm walking along and and here comes Bubba, and I say hi to Bubba, it isn't just hi. Like We'll say, hi, how are you doing? And we lie to each other. Oh, I'm doing okay. And then we go on. That's our culture today. But in their culture, I'd say hi, and he'd say hi. And then we'd have to stop and carry on a conversation. Where are you from? Oh, you're from that province. You know, I have a relative over there. Oh, I know that relative. Well, how's he doing? And then it could go on for hours. Because in their culture, relationships are more important than the task. You understand what I'm saying? We're different because in our culture, you get the job done, then you jaw later. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is simply saying, you know what? You just keep your focus on what I'm telling you to do. You just keep your focus. You just keep your focus. He goes on then and he tells him this. Look with me at verse 5 through 8. It's kind of a long section, but it's kind of making a point here. Here's what he's saying, verses 5 through 8. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. and And if the Son of Peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will be returned to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wage. And do not go from house to house. But whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as is set before you. Here's what I want you to see. He's saying that they are to bless those who show hospitality. See, as you're going about doing what Jesus is calling you to do, there are going to be those who are going to come alongside of you and they're going to support you in some way. And Jesus is saying to those that are supporting you, you need to bless. You need to bestow your blessing upon them. As a thanks for helping me as I try to get this task done that Jesus is calling me to do. The other thing I want you to see there is this. He tells them what their main focus needs to be. Verse 9. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The next thing that I want you to see about the nature of the work is that their main focus is to serve and proclaim the kingdom. Their main focus is to serve and proclaim the kingdom. Let's talk about the issue of serving. He says that they're to what? Heal. What's that? Meeting basic needs. Jesus gifted them with the ability to heal people. He's serving that. They're supposed to serve that community. By meeting their needs. And then what? Their focus is to what? Proclaim what? That the kingdom of God is near. Who's the kingdom of God? Jesus. That's what their main focus is. Folks, that's what our main focus should be here even as a church. Our main focus isn't how many people come here. Our main focus isn't how big the offerings are. Our main focus isn't how good is the band. Or how good does George speak. Or how good are the potluck dinners. And what kind of chicken are they going to have at the picnic? That's not our focus. Our focus is twofold. Number one, serving. Meeting needs. And number two, proclaiming who? The kingdom. Who's what? Jesus. That's our focus. The focus is what? Serving. Jesus. Serving. in Jesus. And so that's what he's saying. Their focus... Their main focus is to serve and proclaim. But then he also goes on, and it's almost kind of tying back to what he first told them at the very beginning. Look with me, verse 10. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to you will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you, that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Okay, so what's he saying here? Here's the final thing I want you to see. Because he's talking about the work. They must defer judgment to the great judge. Remember what he said at the beginning, he said, Look, I'm sending you out. Go, I'm sending you out like what? Lambs among wolves. It's a difficult situation. And yeah there's going to be people who are going to help you. You bless them. And yeah your focus needs to be what? Serving and proclaiming me the kingdom. But there's going to be people who reject you. Now, don't get upset about that. Don't even get angry. But you just shake the dust off your feet and you say, it's okay. Because you recognize that there is a day coming when there's a great judge who will set everything right. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, this is how you can work in a situation where people are going to reject you. You don't have to take it personal. You don't have to take it personal. You know, I was reading at my personal devotional time yesterday. I was with a family out in Altoona, and I was reading the Bible during some times, and I was reading in Samuel where Israel came to Samuel and said, we want a king. And Samuel got bothered by that because he recognized that by them wanting a king, they were rejecting God. And God spoke to Samuel, and he said to Samuel, hey, hey, Sam, don't take it personal. They're rejecting me. So you do what they're saying. And I remember the first church I pastored in, we had a situation going on. And, I, and as the pastor, I was trying to tell the folks there that they needed to do this one type of thing. They needed to do this. This is what the Bible was saying. And, and they were into the democracy thing. They were into, well, we've got to vote on that. And whatever the vote is, we'll do what the vote says. And, and I remember getting bothered by that because it's like, well, this is what the Bible says. Who cares what your vote says? And I remember, re- I was reading in my devotions at that time through Samuel, and I remember reading through there, and it was like God was saying to me, you know what, George, you just do what they're saying. They're the church, they're making this decision, but they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. This is what Jesus is talking about here. You go and you do your work, you do what I'm telling you to do, and people reject you. Don't get upset, but just simply let's say, okay, that's fine. There will be a day when God will set it all right. And here's what he says about that situation. Look with me in verse 12. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that city. Wait a minute. I know about Sodom from, the, from Genesis, Jesus. That, that wasn't a good situation. They needed to get blown up. Jesus says, yeah, but it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom than it is for those who reject me now. So don't take it personal. Defer your judgment to the great judge. And this is what Jesus is saying. I'm sending you into a difficult situation. They're going to reject you, but when they reject you, don't worry about it, because there's a payday later. This is what he's saying. You say, okay, George, now how do, we, how do we wrap this up here? How do we apply this to our passage? Because it seems like there's a lot going on here. Well, three things. First one's this. There's a question. Do you see the opportunity? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to forget for a moment what's going on in your life. Because we can get consumed with our stuff, can we not? We can get the blinders on where all we see is our stuff. Well, I want you to take the blinders off. I want you to forget about your stuff. Because when you focus on your stuff, you don't see any opportunity. You become realists. But I want you to be as an opportunist. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the opportunity. So I'm going to ask you the question, do you see the opportunity? Will you say to me, well, where do I need to see it? Where do you work? Where do you live? What clan do you belong to? Well, they're not interested. Maybe they're not interested in church, but that doesn't mean they're not interested in Jesus. Do you see the opportunity? Folks, I almost guarantee you you'll see some kind of opportunity there if you just look. If you'll just look. Do you see the opportunity? Here's the other one. Do you recognize the need? Because as you're thinking about the opportunity, let's say, as I'm talking about the opportunity, maybe some of you right now are thinking about work and you're thinking about the work situation and you're thinking about, well, yeah, there's so-and-so at work. Yeah, I think if somebody really talked to them, they might be interested. I wonder who's going to talk to them. I wonder how we could get George to come by my workplace and carry on an intimate conversation with them about spiritual things when he first meets them. And really get to know what their stuff is. I wonder how we could do that. George, what's your schedule this week? First of all, you know that they're not going to talk to me. And it takes time to build a relationship to talk with them. Who's got the relationship already? You do. Do you recognize the need? And then finally, answer the call. Here's what Jesus said to them. Look at verse 3, the very first part there. Go. Your way. He just talked about the need, he just talked about the opportunity, and he says to them, Go your way. That's the call. Folks, he's calling to you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, he didn't save you for fire insurance that you could make sure that everything's okay later on. He saved you for a purpose, his purpose to proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, the question is, is, are we going to answer the call? Answer the call. You know the opportunities there. You see your need. It's time to do something about
0: it. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,